0: According to statistics, the average age of a farmer is 58.3. Now, I just come from a workshop out of Mississippi, South Mississippi, last week. During that workshop, it was reported, and this really shocked me, that the average age of a farmer in that specific county was 78 years old. And the children of those farmers had no interest of getting into farming. And so, you know, with that in mind... I thought we got to get younger people involved.
1: How do you inspire the youth of today about agriculture? How about with a little hip hop spin? Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler, delighted to have you here, and also excited to welcome to the program James Bunch, who's president and CEO of. Bunchology LLC. I love that title, James. But for over thirty years, you worked with the USDA, and we're going to talk some about that. But you also have created what's known as Hip Hop Farmers Youth Initiative. Welcome to Mid South Viewpoint. Thank you, Byron. Thank you for having us. Our mutual friend, Miss Aretha Arnold, has gotten us together. And I'm excited to talk about the aspect of farming and with youth and with church community that we're going to bring to our listeners today. Recently, I had Dr. Chris Cooper with the Shelby County Extension talking about agriculture, gardens, and farming. And I think it's kind of neat to see how this topic can expand a little bit as we share with you, James. William Lynch, I understand, brought cotton seeds with him from Mississippi back in 1846. And the new crop flourished. Warehouses, cotton gins, and cotton press brought jobs to the city. And downtown Cotton Plant became a bustling cultural center for Woodruff County, Arkansas. Now, I understand that's exactly where you grew up, Cotton Plant, Arkansas. Absolutely, Byron. My family
0: was approximately six miles just north of Cotton Plant in the rural community. But I was born and raised there July 4th, 1957.
1: July 4th. Absolutely. So there's a lot of fireworks in the year when you were born. <laughs> James, talk about life growing up in the cotton plant area.
0: Well, you know, as a young person, being from a rural community in the Delta, we made our livelihood on farms, on all of the local farms there.
1: We chopped cotton. We chopped soybeans. Can we just stop a second here? Because I know we have a lot of listeners Who've heard the term chopped cotton, "chop soybeans, but have no idea what's involved when you talk about that. What do you do to chop cotton?
0: Uh, well, from the beginning, you know, once you plant these traditional row crops, and this is what we're dealing with there, traditional row crops. Now, your traditional row crops are cotton, soybean, wheat, and rice here in the South. So after, you know, your cotton starts to grow, they're going to have competition. And that competition will be weeds, something you don't want. No. And weeds will stifle the growth. So many farmers back then, before mechanization took over, they would hire people from the community to go out with a hoe, hoeing instrument, to remove those weeds. And that's
1: the process of chopping. Thank you, because I'm a city boy, you know. Oh, great. I want to learn these things, (laughs) because I'm sure other listeners have heard that term, too, and wondered exactly what do you do to chop that cotton and those other plants, too. What did you learn, James, about farming growing up, and who taught you the most about it? Well, I come from a small
0: farm. Now, we had approximately 60 acres that we lived and farmed, lived on and farmed. And so, you know, we also grew cotton, soybeans. But we did also a lot of truck crops. And by truck crops, that's terminology now, it's vegetable crops. You know, we did uh, cucumbers, okra, tomatoes that we sold locally. But that helped me with the background, you know, learning what I could as a child about agriculture.
1: That was my beginning. Was there one particular person that really seemed like they had the know-all, the wisdom that you gained a lot of insight from, that you spent time with learning about farming?
0: Well, my uncle, my uncle, he was a great guy. Uh, he worked for a local farmer. Now he drove the tractor, you know, which I thought was the easiest work, and he also helped us with our farm. Told us about, you know, when to plant, uh, what weeds to be on the lookout for, what fertilizer to use, that sort of thing. So my uncle Willie Floyd uh, was good at that.
1: Well, hats off to Uncle Willie then. Did you ever dream when you were living in Cotton Plant, Arkansas, that you would want to leave that small town for new, exciting adventures in other places? Did you have any dreams to go elsewhere? Byron,
0: everyone wanted to get out of the cotton field. (laughs) (laughs) And the way we did that, majority of us, was through education. Hard work is great, you know, and it taught us the value, you know, of hard work. But we all wanted to leave, go to the big city, but to get there, majority of us went through college.
1: It seems like that's kind of flip-flop for today's generation. Today is big emphasis on education, but hard work is not evident in a lot of cases. Right, you know, So right, right. we need that good mixture, don't we, James? Absolutely. Education and good hard work, too. Right. Now, I was doing a little research going back to Cotton Plant, Arkansas, and discovered mm-hmm. there were several famous people who came out of Cotton Plant, besides James Bunch, Uh-oh. who's with us today on our show. But did you know James Charles McElroy, Jr.? Did you know him? Doesn't ring a bell. Okay, now, he was born on October 4th, 1953, in Cotton Plant, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. He became a 6'3 guard from Central Michigan University. He played in the NBA Association from 1975 to 1982, a member of the New Orleans Jazz, Detroit Pistons, and the Atlanta Hawks. Wow. I thought that was interesting because I read there is a connection – Mm -hmm. with your organization, Hip Hop Farmers, with the NBA, or hopes to have a connection there that we want to talk about. Absolutely. Before we go there, just hold that thought, because before we go there, you retired with over 30 years working with the USDA. That's correct. What was your specific job details? You know, my son and
0: and daughter ask me this all the time. Dad, what exactly do you do? (laughs) Well, I had several uh, titles, Byron, during my career, but I completed, just as a natural resources My agency, U.S. Department of Agriculture, Natural Resources Conservation Service. There are several disciplines throughout. but my training and my college degrees, I have a B.S. and Master's degree in agronomy. So my title would have been an agronomist, conservation agronomist. And I have no idea. What is agronomy? Agronomy is the study of the relationship between plants and soil.
1: And I guess that's probably a a wide-open field then.
0: Well, absolutely. Yeah, Uh, I worked, in my early career, I worked directly one-on-one with farmers. And we have thousands of individuals doing that right now. And, And what we do is we would go out to a local farm, talk to the local farmer about his or her operation, what it is that they're doing, and how we can help improve their operation by developing a conservation plan. And those plans we would lay out, best management practices to help uh, maximize their production.
1: You know, that just makes me think, James, as uh, a follower of Christ, the spiritual connection between good soil of our hearts, you know, being receptive. I mean, it takes good soil to be able to plant a productive crop. Right. And it it takes fertile soil of our heart to receive God's word, the seed that's cultivated, so it can produce a crop in our lives. Right. Have you seen that to be true? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Throughout my career, I've worked with big and small farmers. One thing I've learned about each and every one of them, they love the land. They love it. A hard rainstorm come, if gullies form in their property, they're in our office right away wanting to you know, get assistance, technical assistance, to stop that soil from eroding. So these are individuals, and they make their living from this property. So they want to be good stewards, and I've seen and met a lot of great stewards of our land across this country.
1: After over 30 years that you were employed with the USDA, what did you enjoy most about your job?
0: Well, I enjoy traveling, particularly you know nationally and internationally. I've done some international travel. But most importantly, again, it would be the one-on-one, meeting someone for the first time. You know, Introducing myself. Hey, I'm James Bunch. I'm with USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service. Used to be the old Soil Conservation Service, we called it. But you go out and you talk to these individuals, they show you their property, and they're proud, believe me. And they really enjoy you know, showing people what it is that they're doing and what they have accomplished. And that's the thing that really gives me the greatest joy when I can go out, make a recommendation, they follow that recommendation, and when they see you again, they'll come back and say, hey, you know, you were right on why I should do this or why I should do that. That's just
1: great joy. That partnership here, I can see that. Right. Well, when did you get the idea to start teaching youth about farming and the enterprise of farming?
0: I tell you, Byron, about four years ago now, I was thinking about how could I help my former agency, Department of Agriculture, with increasing the number of farmers. Now, here's why that's important. According to statistics, the average age of a farmer is 583 Now, I just come from a workshop out of Mississippi, South Mississippi, last week. During that workshop, it was reported, and this really shocked me, that the average age of a farmer in that specific county was 78 years old. And the children of those farmers had no interest of getting into farming. And so, you know, with that in mind, I thought we got to get younger people involved. How do I do it? Okay, the name Hip Hop Farmers. Hip Hop signifies youth. I knew that that name would get young people's attention. If I could get their attention, then perhaps I could draw them into agriculture from the standpoint of either getting a higher education in agriculture, starting a career in agriculture, but more importantly, I would like to get these young people focused on the business of agriculture, getting to the business of agriculture.
1: So that kind of gives them the what for. I mean, it kind of motivates kids to say, hey, this is not just plants in the field. I mean, this can become a business for me.
0: Absolutely. Now, if you look at from the urban and rural communities, now urban agriculture would never match the crop production capacity of its rural counterparts. However, if we bring into production suitable vacant lots, In our urban centers, we can dramatically increase the number of individuals we call farmers. Now, here in Shelby County, there are 4,000 vacant lots. My understanding is that you can get those lots for very little money. Or if you're a nonprofit organization, you may be able to get it at no cost. But if we brought those lots into production, and that's just Shelby County, if you can imagine across the United States, there are millions of vacant lots. Now, whether they're all suitable for crop production, we don't know. But, you know, you would make an assessment to make that determination. So instead of trying to focus on the traditional row crops where you need big, large tracts of land, big machinery, tractors, all of the above, I decided that if I focused on small plots of land in our urban centers and in rural communities as well, you could – Get a young person to say, hey, look, how would you like to come and learn how to grow fresh fruits and vegetables on a small plot of land? If you start here and start small, eventually, you know, you develop a green thumb like most people do, they may decide then to look at getting into the big farming
1: operations, which would be the traditional crops. What about the youth? Where do they come from to take part in the Hip Hop Farmers Youth Initiative? How do you recruit them? Right now, I'm in the process...
0: Finishing a proposal, and I have to give a shout out to two individuals who've worked with me on this proposal from UT Knoxville Procurement Technical Assistance Center. And that'll be Mr. Russell Toon and Ms. Veronica Clark. Now, in that proposal, we have identified a farming group that will work with us to develop a project in Tennessee's 9th Congressional District, which is in South Memphis. Now, that group Working with my company, we'll identify students from that community, closest we can get from that community to come out and be a part of this project. My overall goal is 100 projects similar to this from the east to the west coast, north and south, 25-state area. Wow, this is incredible. I'm trying to do 100 projects, and I spell it out on my uh, Facebook page. Facebook.com slash farmers.
1: Well, James, you're retired. Shouldn't you spend time on fishing and doing things that retired people do? Look, I <laughs> love to fish, but I haven't been able to
0: go in years.
1: <laughs> hey, now, I mentioned the NBA a moment ago, and there's hopes to have a NBA engage and get involved with uh, mm-hmm. hip-hop farming. Is mm-hmm. that true? Oh, absolutely. I
0: wrote an article, Byron, last year that was published in the Commercial Appeal, and I talked about how we could partner the two my former agency, Natural Resources Conservation Service, with the NBA. Why, James Bunch? How could that work? Uh, the 2 they're incompatible. No, they are compatible, and, and here's how. Many NBA players, I'm certain, are familiar with food deserts. Food desert is an area that impacts persistent poverty areas. If you're living in a food desert, that means there's no grocery store, there's no farmer market, or any adequate suitable food source within 10 miles of where you live. And we have some of those in
1: our community.
0: Yes, yes, a number of them. So with that thought, wheels get to turning in my head, and I'm thinking, who could help me promote and sponsor Hip Hop Farmers Youth Initiative and would understand about the situation these young people and their families live in right now. And I thought professional athletes. Now, my mission of hip-hop farmers is to combine the famous music genre, which would be hip-hop, professional athletes with agriculture to have a sustained positive impact on socially disadvantaged youth and their communities overall.
1: Let me ask you this. I've heard that uh, music sometimes – Uh, When you play it around plants, it can help get them to grow and stimulate growth in the plants. Have you tried to use hip-hop music with your gardens and plants? We're not talking about playing hip-hop music in your garden, are we? Hey, look, my (laughs) wife and I,
0: for the past few years, my wife Christine and I have been doing container gardens right on our back patio. Sometimes we have success, sometimes we don't. But I never thought about bringing out a little hip-hop. Now, I may have to tell her Let's to break some out. We can evening. have an experiment
1: here, okay? That, that's right. We'll have to bring you it. I'd like that. <laughs> uh, as mentioned about community gardens, how they're growing around the city, churches also, as we've mentioned, are participating in developing vegetable gardens to help fixed-income families, you know, to bring a healthier diet to their tables. mm mm-hmm. uh, where are you seeing this most successful? What projects that churches are engaging right now? Now, you personally attend Brown Missionary Baptist Church. My dear friend, Dr. Bartholomew Orr, the pastor, I understand that they have a community garden.
0: Absolutely. Approximately four to five years ago, I went to Pastor Orr with my concept about establishing a farm project on our north campus. Right away, he said, I'm in. What do we need to do? And so from there... We went and got farm track number, went to the local USDA service, where you, you go to the local USDA service center to get that farm track number. And we participate in what's called EQIP, And that acronym stands for Environmental Quality Incentive Program. And they made a payment on the the structure, the seasonal high tunnel system. That's what we grow our vegetables in. And that's what hip hop farmers would recommend for projects. Is this like a greenhouse? Absolutely. It's a greenhouse. However, there's no concrete floor. You grow the the product directly in the ground.
1: What are, James, some considerations a church needs to address before they start their own community garden? Here are some things that you would
0: need. Control of property. That's the number one thing. Control of property. And by control of property, I mean you either own it directly through a deed and you have a deed. Or you can do an agreement with an owner that would allow you to use that property for a certain period of time. Next thing you would do is would go into your local USDA service center, uh, where you have rural development, farm services agency, and my old agency, Natural Resources Conservation Service, and obtain you a farm track number. Now here's why that farm track number is important. It's important for you to participate. In all the great programs and services that these various agencies have to offer, just like EQIP, and that's what my church did. Uh, they participated in EQIP, and now we have a, a thriving farmer's market, and our seasonal high tunnel system is still there
1: uh, in operation. Okay, this farmer's market, how does that work, and, and when is it open, and how can people participate and come and buy fresh produce? Well, I'm not clear on
0: the exact times of the, the days, but – as you
1: could call the church and find out. That's right. You can
0: call Brown Baptist and get all of that information. Now, in our farmer's market, we received a grant from the USDA Ag Marketing Service under their FMPP program, which is the Farmer's Market Promotion Program. And any nonprofit, faith-based organization, community-based organization, can take these same steps
1: to start their own farmer's market,
0: to start their own farm project.
1: Wow, that's exciting. That's really exciting. Are you seeing more churches in the area get involved like Brown's doing? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I had a meeting about three weeks ago. I met a
0: young pastor here, Pastor Sean Abrams. Yeah, Sean's a friend of mine. Over in North Memphis, yes. being Hampton. Yes. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he took me out to his property, me and uh, the local district conservationist, Mr. Fred Walker, a great gentleman. I've been working with Fred now over a year. We went out there, looked at his property, and he's shown great interest in getting a farm project started in North Memphis. I'm hoping. That Hip Hop Farmers Youth Initiative is sponsored, by that I mean funded, that I can work with uh, Pastor Abrams and and bring in one of my projects there as well.
1: Wow, that's really exciting. Uh, Let's go back to the youth that are participating in the Hip Hop Farmers. What are they telling you, James, about their experience?
0: Well, right now we don't have a project established. Now, the pilot project that I mentioned earlier that we're looking to establish in in, uh, South Memphis Here's how the students will benefit. Each project, I recommend that you hire at least 20 students from your community, 10 to 12th graders. Those students will have access to grown ups showing them how to plant, how to irrigate, how to harvest, how to fertilize their respective crops that they grow. Secondly, I recommend that you keep closely involved, your local land-grant colleges and universities. And here in Memphis, we would focus on UT Knoxville, their extension, uh, Tennessee State University, their extension, you know, to come out, meet these young people, provide them their expertise on how to best grow these various crops. Now, from that, working with these individuals, that will give these universities and others an opportunity for recruitment. Yes. know so to recruit these students, right. you know, direct them into agriculture. And that's how students, you know, I believe would benefit from this, well, as well as see how
1: they may want to someday start their own business Yes, because they're going to be learning these skills. Well, James, I was quite impressed when I got the uh, email that you sent over and just how you had all this laid out. I mean, you've, you've thought through every detail. You've got this packaged so well it's so informative when you look over the information that you have laid out and you see the benefit and how it can benefit our youth, our community. I mean, it's just, again, a win-win for all. Do you see this also including parents to be involved with youth in this project? Oh,
0: absolutely. You know, the parents, from the standpoint of, now they won't be out there working with
1: the youth. No, we want them to do, all, we'll, we want right. the to do all the work, right? right? we yeah. will have it. Well,
0: <laughs> there'll be some other grown-ups out there yeah. staff-wise. Sure. You know, I look at it like this. A supplementary Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP. USDA, last, I believe it was last year, they were looking for ideas on how to help these recipients, low-income SNAP recipients, receive more fresh fruits and vegetables. They were looking for ideas, and I thought, well, gee, hip-hop farmers is a great idea. But from our youth, with what they'll be learning, perhaps they could take that training back home
1: mm-hmm.
0: to their parents and either start a traditional type garden, or a container garden. Now, a container garden, and I'm putting this in my book. I'm writing a book, by the way, where I talk about, you know, if you want to start a container garden, it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, get your five-gallon container. Step two, fill that container with garden soil. Step three, plant your seed or seedling. And good luck. Simple as one, two, three. And these are the Types of things we will teach our youth during the process while they're out there working with hip hop farmers. And
1: another great way to bring uh, fresh produce in the homes of fixed income families, you know, that in those desert areas you're talking about Mm -hmm. too, that might not have the fresh produce accessible to them. Right. This is a great work. Now, we talked about this before we started. Hip hop farmers, is it going to be available for franchise in other areas? Absolutely.
0: My overall goal is to establish. 100 projects. And this is why I want the NBA involved, because of the power they have to help promote and sponsor. And again, I mentioned, you know, from the east to the west coast, 25 states I have identified. I base those states on Economic Research Service data, U.S. Small Business Administration hub zone data, and USDA strike force data, based on persistent poverty level. Greater than 20% is why I identified those states in those areas. I'm hoping and praying that the hip-hop farmers will become the most recognized, most sought-after agricultural outreach project by our youth in the history of agricultural outreach. Wow. That's my goal.
1: I love that big dreaming. I do. That's so exciting, James. As we start to wrap up here, we don't have a lot of time left, but I do want to mention something else, too, that the Spirit of Farming, it's a workshop you've created for faith-based organizations. You just completed one back in June Yes, over at the Center. Will these be workshops you'll be continuing to for listeners if they wanted to participate?
0: Well, my prayer is, yes. That would depend upon sponsorship. But about Spirit of Farming, Now, Spirit of Farming is similar to hip-hop farmers, but I'm coming at it from a different angle, and that angle is this. The goal of Spirit of Farming is to train faith-based organizations how to be a proactive partner with the U.S. Department of Agriculture with its outreach efforts. Now, why faith-based organizations? Because I get asked that all the time. Number one, oftentimes they are not aware of what's available to them the various programs at USDA. Number two, it's a weekly gathering place where you get folks from all walks of life you know, to come meet each other and greet and listen to the word. And number three, the leader of a faith-based organization, like my great Dr. Pastor Bartholomew Orr, people love him. You know, We come, we listen, and we trust him. From that standpoint, I take it as if you can get faith-based organization reaching out to the community and saying, hey, this is what's available to you from the Department of Agriculture, I think we then begin to get more and more people to learn about what's available, because oftentimes you find out people just simply don't know.
1: I want to also encourage our listeners to like your Facebook page, and let's build a bigger audience for that. I believe it's Hip Hop Farmers Initiative?
0: Oh, no, to get to my Facebook page? Yeah, help me out. Facebook.com slash Hip Hop
1: Farmers. Okay. And I I also have
0: a Twitter page at Hip Hop
1: Farmers. At Hip Hop Farmers. Yes. And if folks want more information, James, can they call you or text you? Absolutely. What's that number?
0: 901-315-6008.
1: And you also have an email. You want to give that?
0: Absolutely. Bunchology, B-U-N-C-H-O-L-O-G-Y at
1: gmail.com. I'll tell you what, James, I think we have a new friendship here. You're going to have to come back. You know, our time is limited. We can only say so much in 30 minutes. Thank you so much for explaining hip-hop farming, also the spirit of farming and how it can help our communities, our churches. Thank you so much for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom in such a practical way through farming and teaching young people about farming.
0: Thank you very much, Barry, for having me.
1: Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. As always, thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.